Well, good morning, church. Oh, you guys are awake this morning. That's awesome. I feel like it's been forever since I've seen y'all with uh, Camp Nova and uh, vacation. It's been a while, so I'm glad to be back with you guys this morning. Uh, I have to say, I love this scripture. Uh, anybody who's ever struggled with worry or fear uh, has very commonly used the second part of Second uh, Timothy. But I appreciate so much this morning that uh, we, we learn how significant it is to look at the whole of that scripture, both the, the first half and the second half. So I'm looking forward to what we're going to be talking about today. But uh, before we start uh, looking at that scripture, uh, I want to go back and kind of talk and just kind of encapsulate our entire, our entire series. Over the past eight weeks, we've been looking at foundational truths of the church. And we've been reminding ourselves of who we are. Not just who our church is or what our church stands for, but who we are and what we stand for as followers of Christ. And specifically, we've looked at some of the distinctives of the United Methodist movement. And those distinctives are the foundation on which our faith is built or should be built. We need, we need a firm foundation. We all understand that we have to have a firm foundation if we're going to build and grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. And the reality is, we all know this, we rarely think of our foundation until there starts to be problems, right? You don't wake up one morning and say, oh, I better check on that foundation. No, we, we, we wait until there's a, there's a crack in the wall or a, or a door won't open or we're uh, writing a check to pay for repairs. That's when we start to become concerned about our foundation. You know, it's a lot like oxygen. And we never really think about the process of breathing until we can't catch our breath. And then once we can't catch our breath, then breathing becomes a foundational issue for us. We become pretty focused and pretty concerned on resolving that issue. See, the church today, and specifically the United Methodist Church, has foundation problems. It's being attacked from within and from without, and we are being reminded that once again, we need to look at, consider, and fix our foundation. Now, we also need to remind ourselves that we're not special, and we're not unique, that churches throughout the centuries have faced these same circumstances. Throughout the centuries, uh, they've had to take time, the church across the world has had to take time to consider who they are and what they stand for and make adjustments when they get off track. And I love that because that really, again, affirms who we are as Methodists. Our very own book of discipline acknowledges this truth. Our very own book of discipline says that we share the sober realization that the church is in need of continual reformation and renewal. We are constantly needing to check ourselves and make sure that we're moving in the direction of Christ's leadership. So what we're gonna do this morning, we're gonna look back at the last eight weeks, kind of recap where we've, we've come from, but we're also gonna look forward and talk about what's next. 
And so first I wanna look back at some of the foundational truths uh, that we talked about over the last eight weeks. First one being, and this one was probably uh, the most encouraging to me. One of our foundational truths as Methodists is that we have a commitment to transformation. We serve a God who transforms lives. And I, that, that's, that just so encourages me, and I hope that it encourages you, that uh, as believers in Christ, we believe that God takes the broken, uh, the rebellious, the liar, the sinner, and he has the power to transform them and give them new life. And I love that, that that's, a, that's a pillar of who we are as United Methodists because that is the very experience that the founder of the Methodist movement went through. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, uh, he experienced this life transformation at a Bible study on, on Aldersgate Street. But before that experience, he had this idea in his head that he had to make himself righteous and he had to make himself perfect. And then he could approach God, which is impossible. We all know that. So after his experience, he realized that God takes us as we are. But thank the good Lord, he doesn't leave us there. He takes us as we are and then transforms us into who he has called us to be. Another great example is the Apostle Paul. Uh, Before he was Paul, he was known as Saul. And he was a great enemy of the church. In fact, uh, we can read in, in the Gospels that uh, when Stephen was being stoned to death as a martyr for the, for the Christian movement, it was Saul who affirmed that and guarded the cloaks of those who were stoning Stephen. And he was known for going throughout the land and persecuting the church. He had desire to, to kill Christians, both men and women. But he encountered Christ was never the same. In fact, after that encounter, he became one of the greatest missionaries in Christian history. But what about you? How has Christ transformed your life? What testimony do you have of his power to transform? The second foundational truth that we looked at was our belief that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I think this one's one of the most crucial ones for us to understand in this uh, time in history. We need to understand that Jesus was more than just a man. He was the only begotten son of God, 100% man and 100% God. And that if we truly say that we are followers of Christ and that Jesus is Lord, that also means that Jesus is King. And if Jesus is King, then he deserves and expects our obedience. If Jesus is Lord, then he is in charge and our lives should reflect his leadership. The third foundational truth that we looked at uh, was the authority of scripture. We talked about and we affirmed that, that as Methodists, we are people of the book. We are people of the truth. We are people of the Bible, that that is, our, that is our source of truth. We believe that it was the written word of God. We believe that through the power of God's spirit, the word of God speaks and directs 
and fashions and shapes our lives. Anytime that we try to to diminish the authority of Scripture, then we diminish our witness and power as well. Which brings us to our our fourth foundational truth, uh, which we, we recently touched on. We have been given the incredible gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. We have, we have God's power and presence living in us. This, this, this power that empowers us to live, that convicts us of sins, that guides us to the truth, not a truth, but the truth. And we need to learn to harness this power of God through his spirit. That's what the early church was known for, right? When you read uh, through Acts and you read about all the great things that were happening in their early church, they were known for their faithfulness to the Spirit's leading and for their dependence on the Spirit's power to help them grow in love. We call that process of growing in love sanctification, to become holy, as God is holy, to honor the command of Jesus Christ to be perfect as our heavenly Father is perfect. That is impossible without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we talked about how developing our lives and intentionally preparing our lives for that that power to fall included prayer and it included being in the presence of other believers and just, just, just making sure that we were developing a trust that if we prepared the altar of our hearts, that the Holy Spirit would bring the fire. And that brings us to our fifth foundational truth, which was that we are to love God with an undivided heart. Do you remember that conversation? We talked about how the greatest commitment that we can make as followers of Christ is the commitment to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. That's the greatest commitment that we could make. And that if we made that commitment, that the Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would empower us to grow in his likeness, and to love as God loves. That, that, that conversation was a reminder to focus on the aspect of God's grace, that, that we have been saved from our sins, that that's something that should be celebrated, we've been saved from our sins, but that we've also been saved for a purpose. And that purpose is found in the pursuit of loving God with an undivided heart. And we call that process of, of growth, that process of pursuing God and, and loving him with an undivided heart, that, that process of growing in our dependence on that kind of grace, we call that discipleship, which is our sixth foundational truth. As Christians, we are called to maturity, right? We're not called as followers of Christ just to give Jesus our sins and for him to forgive us of our sins. We're not called just to that. That's something that, that's a beautiful gift that is offered to us, but we're also called to be ever maturing and growing in our dependence on God and our trust in God. And beyond that, we're also called to make disciples for the transformation of the world. We're called to all of that, not just to receive God's forgiveness and wait for heaven, 
but to continually pursue him and intentionally develop relationships with others and guide them to a deeper trust and relationship with Christ. Now, the scary thing about that is the reality is you'll reproduce the kind of disciple that you are. You'll reproduce the kind of disciple that you are. So a fair question that we should ask ourselves is are we living a life in Christ that we would want someone else that we care about to follow? If somebody who we love and care about, if they followed our example, would they grow in their love for Christ like we would want them to? We should be ever considering that question. Now when this whole process uh, comes together, we get to celebrate and we get to glory in the work of the church. Not just here, but around the world, just like we, we acknowledged with Jamie just a moment ago. Uh, our seventh foundational truth is that we are part of a global church. That it's not just about the, the here and the now. That, that the church is a, is a celebration that we partner with brothers and sisters from all people, all nations, all tribes, and all languages. That we stand before the throne of God one day. That we are going to stand before the throne and we're going to revel and celebrate the fact that the kingdom of God is not limited by nations or borders. But that it is a global kingdom and we get to be a part of it. Now, I, th- I think a great example of that, that that we recently saw and many of us participated in was iHeart Canyon. How many of you participated in iHeart Canyon? Raise your hand. Awesome. iHeart Canyon is just a beautiful uh, example of how we can gather together in love to love others. How we can really ab- obey that second great commandment to love our neighbor as ourselves. If you served at iHeart Canyon, then you know you served alongside uh, brothers and sisters in Christ from several different churches throughout Canyon. And iHeart Canyon served as a beautiful reminder of the fact that we, we are part of something bigger than just the local church. And that we are a part of a global church, a global kingdom of God. So those are the, the foundational issues that, that we discussed and that we looked at and we explored uh, all throughout this summer. And um, that's where we've been the past several weeks. But now that that comes to a close, uh, we have another question looming over us. And that question is, what comes next? What comes next? And really what comes next, it depends largely uh, on you. Where is God calling you to take a next step in faith? Where is God calling you to take a next step in faith? A step that you will not be able to accomplish without him. We say all the time uh, here at FMC Canyon that, that we want you to be involved in worship, that we want you plugged into a grow group of some kind, and that we want you serving God and serving each other. You see, we, we never stop growing in God's grace. So again, I ask you, what is your next step? Where is God leading you? See, I don't know. Rick doesn't know. Only the Lord knows. But I do know this, that we are all called to pursue and perfect these foundational truths as we seek to grow closer with Christ. 
And so I want to turn again to the scripture from 2 Timothy to kind of remind us and guide us to what is next. Uh, the text that we're reading in 2 Timothy, it's actually a letter that was written from the Apostle Paul to Timothy. And he, Timothy is his friend and fellow missionary in the kingdom of God. And I want to remind us what, what Paul is saying to Timothy. He says, for this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. So what comes next? I think what comes next is that, that we wanna invite you to rekindle the gift that God has given you. See, I believe that God has given every one of us gifts, gifts uh, that are designed and developed to be used for the kingdom of God, not just in this local church, but around the world. Each of us is called to serve God. If we don't, then not only uh, do we suffer, but the church suffers as well. See, we can't serve God without his love and his power moving and working through us. See, Paul is reminding Timothy not to forget the gift that God had given him. We have to consistently rekindle it in order for it to continue to grow. Paul was stating that Timothy had to, sum, you know, this, this is what I think we, we miss on this. I think many of us look at that and be like, oh, well, Paul must have been getting on to Timothy. Timothy must have been slacking or negligent. But I don't think that was the case. I think Paul was just genuinely and gently reminding Timothy that if you're not intentional about stirring up the gifts of God in your life, that that power will wane and your attention will get called off to other things. That you have to be focused and, and just committed to keeping that gift stirred up in your life. It's a lot like, um, it's a, lot like a fire. We talked about that several weeks ago when we were talking about the Holy Spirit. You, know, you have a fire, you have logs, and you have some kindling, and that flame starts out very small. But then you breathe life into it, uh, you feed it a, a few bigger twigs, you feed it, feed it a few bigger twigs, and then once that fire is growing pretty good, you put some large logs on there, and that fire is burning strong, and the heat is warming you and encouraging and lighting up the area around you. Well, if you just pull up a folding chair and sit down and watch that fire, it'll burn hot for a while. But then as it consumes the fuel, it'll get weaker and weaker and weaker until it eventually goes out. And there'll be no evidence that that fire was there to begin with. Same is true for the gifts of the Spirit in us. Many of us have had moments in our lives where God's power and his gifts are moving uh, significantly in our lives. But then we pulled up a chair and we sat by the warmth of the fire and just enjoyed it for a while. And those flames are beginning to weaken. We have to rekindle the power of God and stir up the gifts in us. And that happens through a variety of ways uh, that you can rekindle that power. Uh, probably the primary way would be prayer, asking God to stir those gifts up in you, help you see that those gifts are there. Another great way to rekindle those, those gifts is to talk to other trusted brothers and sisters in Christ and say, hey, what, what gifts do you see in me? Where can you see uh, me contributing to the kingdom? Or better yet, a little bit of accountability, where have you seen me uh, just sit back and rest and, and not be intentional? 
Uh, and the third one I think that's important is you have to practice your gifts. I think there's this misnomer with spiritual gifts that if you've been given a spiritual gift that um, you're awesome at it automatically. And you're just empowered to just use this gift in a significant way. And that's not always how it happens. Many times you have to practice that gift to develop it. You know, I think back, uh, for me, a great example is, is preaching. I've always been comfortable on stage. I've never been, uh, I've never had stage fright or anything like that. But I go, I've gone back and looked at some of my sermons 15 years ago. Whew, they were rough. They were rough. They were rough. But over the years, I've learned and I've practiced and I've studied and I've read and I've sat under uh, pastors that I respect and preachers who I admire and I've, and I've tried to emulate and put into practice the things that I've learned so that I could better use my gift to bless the kingdom of God. The same is true for you and whatever your gift is. It's going to take practice to develop. So, you know, Timothy had been given the ministry, had been given this ministry to help the church. And, and Paul was telling him, rekindle it, stir it up, get excited about it. So again, I wanna ask you, what is your gift? How have you been uniquely equipped to bless the kingdom of God? And are you using that gift? Are you using that gift to build up the church? You see, the church isn't just some organization. It's not just uh, this thing. The church is literally the body and the bride of Christ. It deserves us using our gifts in full strength and with full commitment. Now, for some of you, the gift, the gifts of God might be a new idea. But like the Apostle Paul, uh, I don't want you to be ignorant of those gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. See, Paul goes on after that to list nine spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians that believers are given. And, and this isn't an exhaustive list because later on in Romans, uh, he shares uh, some other gifts. But what are spiritual gifts? I have a few examples for you. There are some of the spiritual gifts that Paul talks about are the gift of administration, apostleship, discernment, encouragement, evangelism, faith, giving, healing, serving, hospitality, intercession, knowledge, leadership, the working of miracles, prophecy, shepherding, tongues, teaching, and wisdom. And most likely as I was reading that list, some of those you're like, nope. Not me. Like administration, I already know. Check, that's not me. Uh, if anybody's ever, if I've ever had a deadline for you, you know that administration is not my gift. But there's probably some of those gifts that kind of stirred in you. Like, oh yeah, that, that, I, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a natural at that or I have a desire towards that gift. Well, I love what, uh, what Chuck Smith, how he describes these spiritual gifts that we're talking about. Uh, he says in his book, Living Water, he said, the true gifts of the Holy Spirit, when manifested in a scriptural and correct way, will always focus people's hearts on Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? They will always focus people's hearts on Jesus Christ. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, I don't really have any gifts that can bless the church. And I would stand here and tell you that you're wrong. 
you're wrong. All of us have been given gifts by our Heavenly Father, who the Word says knows how to give good gifts. We've all been given gifts that we are called to employ and use for his kingdom. So the question for us is not, do we have any gifts, but do we know what they are? And are we using them? And do we need to rekindle those gifts? And so I want to encourage you to ask yourself that question. Do you know what your gift is? And for some of you, the honest answer is probably no, you don't. Well, we understood that uh, as a church, and so we want to help. We want to help equip you to know what your gift is and how to use it. So, if you have your Connect card, I want you to get that out. Go ahead, and you can make a little bit of noise. Go ahead and get your Connect card out. And what we've done as a, as a church is we've purchased 100 online spiritual gift surveys. And what we hope to do is equip you to know what your spiritual gift is. Because it's hard to rekindle a gift that you don't know that you have. And so if you're interested in receiving one of those surveys, all I want you to do is write your name on your Connect card. There's a comment section. Write your name and write your email address on that Connect card. And what we'll do is we'll email you a link. You'll click on that link. You'll answer some questions. It's, almost, it's very similar to any other personality quiz or survey you've ever taken. And the beautiful thing is that when, when that is complete, when you finish it, you're going to get a report of what most likely your gifts are, and we'll get a report, the church will get a report of what your gifts most likely are. And for some of you, you're going to look at that list and say, oh no, I didn't know, oh no, no I have no idea how to do that, you know, uh, and we understand that too. And so what we, in, what we plan to do is to, to reach out to you. Those of you who take the surveys, you're going to get a phone call from somebody on the staff and say, hey, I saw that you finished your survey. Let's get together for coffee or lunch and let's talk about it and, and just explore how God has gifted you and how he, how he might use you uh, to bless uh, the global church, to bless this community and bless this church. So I just encourage you uh, as I pray to just consider if you don't know what your gifts are or you've never been told to take this opportunity, it's a, it's a free opportunity for you to, to hear from, from God where he might have uniquely gifted you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I just pray for every gifted and equipped person in this room, whether they know it or not. And I pray, Father, right now that your Holy Spirit would move in power and that the, the wind of the Holy Spirit would breathe upon the fires of our hearts and elevate the strength of your presence inside of us. Elevate the strength of your presence moving and working in our lives. And that we would know, we would all know how you've gifted us, how you've blessed us, and how we might be a blessing to you and to your bride. In Jesus' name, amen.